Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, buenos dias, hermanos, hermanas. Como esta usted? If, you knew, if I knew what I just asked you, I'd say, well, that's great. No, good morning, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Gloria a Dios. God is great, isn't he? The only reason I did that is because down in Mexico today, it's probably about 80 degrees right about now, and it's sunny. I want to just take a moment. Uh, hopefully some more will gather in from outside I got a few things that I want to share with you. You know, it's kind of uh, unique uh, how God sometimes works in our life in in very uh, peculiar ways, and I think all of us understand that. At one time or another, uh, God has slipped into our our life, our scenario at the moment, and He's given us something of a seed to work with to plant. We have no idea what's in the packet that he's given to us, but we put it in the soil and we pray over it and we have faith to watch it and to see what comes up. And so I'm all set with one thing this morning, but the Lord gave me another seed and I told him that I would take the seed and I would plant it and see where it went because more than likely, um, well, most definitely, uh, this thought is for all of us, maybe some more in particular than others. I'm going to be going to Luke, the 17th chapter. And uh, this verse came to me just out of, the, out of the blue this morning as I was getting ready. The, the Lord is speaking to his disciples These are going to be his spiritual heritage to the earth. And he's trying to prepare them for what they're about to face. Verse 1 said, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. Now, I've, I looked at different translations on this first before I came, but the first thing I want to point out is it's impossible <clears throat> that you will not at one time or another be offended. It's impossible. Offenses will come. And the, the end of the verse says, woe unto him that provides the offense, but I say woe unto you who keeps the offense. I... Then I thought about a verse that I, I've read a number of times in, in church here in Matthew, the 24th chapter. And um, this one also deals with offense. And this, the Lord is actually speaking about the times in which we live. Um, I'm going to start with verse 4 of Matthew 24. This is so relevant that I want you to see the beginning as well as this verse I'm looking at. Um, Well, let's start with verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, 
Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, he's talking about what? The end of the world, the signs of his coming. And he answers this question. Now, I, I want to preface this by saying, I believe in my heart that I am living at the end of the world, at the end of time. And I also believe with all my heart that the second coming of the Lord is going to happen if I tarry another 10 years in my lifetime. So this is a relevant scripture. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. All right? For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And a thought comes to me as I read this about something I read uh, on one of our ministerial websites about what are we going to, the question was, what are we going to do when uh, the state mandates that us, we as Christians, have to perform homosexual marriages because it's legal? What will we do? And a rabbi answered the question on the site, and he went back and he looked, he says, I went back and I looked at some of the words in the Old Testament about, about homosexuality, and he said, uh, this is how I would answer someone if they came to me. He said, you, the Lord was against people that used these kinds of sexual perversions in the worship of idols. He said, I would ask the person if they were doing this perversion in, in relationship to worshiping an idol. And if they said that they weren't, then I'd say, well, what's your problem? Now, I get very upset when I re read things like this from people that should have some level of education about not only the word of God, about God himself. But the Bible says that I shouldn't be surprised that there's going to be people like this that are going to come in the last days and call good evil and evil good. And, and they're going to promote the sin and the offense. Now, I want to point out that this offense of defilement of one's body with another that is outside the relationships that God has ordained is an offense against God. Because my body belongs to God. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Even if a person does not have the Holy Spirit inside of them, they still belong to God because the spirit that dwells in them, the spirit of life, is God's. And he gave the body. He designed it. And so Jesus said, beware. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, seeing that, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. These, all these are the beginning of sorrows. It's not, he's not trying to incorporate everything that's happening in that last verse. He's saying these are just a couple of the symptoms you'll see manifested before my coming. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Now he turns to the church. 
He's talking about the world. Now he focuses upon his bride. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. That's the church. Then he makes uh, another comment regarding a warning to the church in the last day. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. You would not think in the church of the living God that hate and intolerance and offense would be present. But I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been reading my Bible through it in the chronological Bible, and I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Corinthians lately. And I'm looking at a church that was uh, in existence roughly 25 years after the death of Christ. So in a person's lifetime, the apostles' lifetime, in their ministry, they're already dealing in the church of the living God with offense. So it's not something that's new, but something that's carried on and becomes worse as we get closer to the second coming of God. So it's always been present, just like sin has always been present. But before the Lord comes, before the trumpet sounds, he said, it's going to get much worse. Just like there's going to be more earthquakes and famines and pestilences, there is going to be a lot more people that are offended. And he said, first of all, I'm telling you, in the Luke we read, the 17th chapter, that you will become offended. Expect it. You are going to sin and let God down. It shouldn't be something you strive for. But evidently, at one place or another in your mind or your thoughts or your actions, you will disobey God, just like the offenses will come. And I think he mentions this in Matthew 24 because he realizes it's going to kill people. The cancer of the world that we face in, is a dilemma. People dying of lung and pancreatic and lymphatic, all types of cancers. That's a terrible cancer of the world. But in the church, the major cancer that we face, if you were to take attendance today, and I, I've been after this for a long time, I think we should. I think we should have somebody up on top taking attendance because it makes you accountable when you think about not coming. Just like when you think about skipping work, you think about the time clock, even if you don't have a supervisor. Absolutely. So you're offended. You're going to get offended. I had a I've had a lot of Dobermans. Anybody ever have a dog? How about a kitty? <laughs> you know, sometimes dogs are not the smartest animals on earth, and you let them outside, and then they come in, and they either stepped on something sharp, or they got a piece of glass from somewhere in their paw. And they run into the house, and you see the little blood spots all over your carpet. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the dog stepped on something. So that's the offense. The glass offended the paw of the dog. Now it's weeping blood. 
That's not healthy because a weeping wound can become infected. When you're offended, you sometimes come into the house of God dripping your offense. You're bleeding. Well, does anybody like blood on their carpet? No. How many people like a weeping, complaining person coming into the house of God? It messes up the spirit of the place. Okay? Now you have a problem. Because the dog cannot change his focus from his discomfort, and he does what to the wound? And now you take him to the vet, and the vet says, you can't let him lick the wound. Oh, great. I'll just stay up all day, every night, and make sure, stop it, Carly, stop licking, stop licking, stop licking. And so the dog cannot get his mind off of his foot. And you hear him at night when you turn the light off. Stop it! That's what happens to a pastor when people have been offended with each other or with an incident. He hears them licking all the time. And he comes up to the pulpit and he tells you on the phone, stop licking your wound. It will never heal if you keep back going and destroying the scab. It only continues to bleed, and it only makes the homeowner more agitated because you're, de you're defiling the home with your blood all over the carpet when it doesn't need to be. You know, when, when Carly would come in or when, whatever dog, Siller, I think we sat down, me and Amy, yesterday, and we probably counted about 15 dogs we've owned. So I guess I am a dog, was a dog owner, not one right now. But I had compassion. You know, when you're offended and you come to the house of God, God has compassion for you. Oh, Carly, let me look. Oh, that's a pretty nasty cut. Here, let's get some soap and water and let's get a towel and we'll dry it off, okay? And so when we initially are offended, we come into the church of God and God ministers to us and he puts the salve of the Holy Spirit on the wound, right? And that's what you do with your dog. You put antiseptic on the wound because you don't want it to get infected. But what happens is we in our carnal state cannot ignore the, the irritation. And we lick the antiseptic off. We lick right down through the scab and we open it up and it goes on and on and on. Well, you can't live that way for long. And you call the... You call the vet up and the vet says, you know what, if you got a dog that's doing that, they're going to have to wear something around their neck. It's the goofiest looking thing you ever saw. It looks like, like something you could fuel your, oil, your engine oil with in your car, a great big funnel. They put it over their head, and the reason they put that over their head is so that they can't get at their wound. Well, you put that on a dog after he's got the cut, what is he more agitated about? He's more agitated that he's not able to get at the source of his irritation. Now, how does that fit into us spiritually? Think about it a little bit. I know that God 
If God gave me this, he's probably already talking to you about this. The answer is he's talking to me about it. When I come to the house of God and I hear the preached word, the word keeps me from going back and licking the wound. When the preacher preaches and the anointed word of goes out, goes out like it is this morning, that prompts me because the word is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword uh, separating the soul asunder. The word is powerful enough to keep people from sin if they put it inside their heart. So that when I'm tempted to lick my wound, the word becomes a barrier between the wound and my attention. So how does the devil solve that? How did, and he knows when a person's offended and he comes into a place where the anointed word of God is delivered that it will inhibit them from licking their wounds and he wants them to lick their wounds. He wants them to have an infection. He wants them to suffer. What happens to a person that's offended that keeps licking his wounds? Eventually, the devil convinces them not to come to the place where the word can cause that separation between their offense and their hurt. All right, so we take a, and we get a, we have a pencil and paper today, and we sit down, and every one of us, and mentally in our mind, think about someone that is not in church today. Okay, this is an assignment, by the way. You don't need to get a paper out. But for one minute, can every one of you think of at least five people that are not in church today because they were offended and they could not get over it? And you can go back and you can look at those five people and you can see it all happened the same way. They were all offended. They could get, not get over their hurt. They'd come, and then they started missing church. Pretty soon, they didn't come to church anymore. And, and spiritually, they became seriously ill. Anybody not think of one? Okay, so say we got a church of 200 here today. And all of us think of five people. How many should be here today? A thousand. So I, I think what the Lord is trying to point out to us this morning is you are going to become offended. But the most important thing for you to do when the offense comes is make sure you get to a place where the word of God can give you the power to separate your desire to focus on your hurt, which will lead to your demise, and keep you healthy. Not only does the word separate you from the offense, but it also heals the offense. And after a while, it doesn't bother you as much. Now, let me go back, because I just had another thought. I'm going to chase this rabbit, too. Um, what about an old offense? And I can think of an offense that happened to me that was really, really bothered uh, my family and I way, way back ago, years and years ago, and how Dave Larson was a part of that. And I don't know if it was you or another person that went with me to a meeting, and that night, God healed me of my hurt. Well, that's terrific, and I, I, I rejoiced in the fact that God supernaturally, miraculously, 
healed me of the pain that I had been dealing with for over a year, two years. Walked out, bingo. You know, God, you know, we all focus on the healing of the body. Well, that's great. But guess what? Your body's going to go back to dust in the next 20, 30, 40 years, and it's not going to do you any good. But your spirit that's wounded, that's the thing, the part of you that's either going to spend eternity with God or, or in hell. It's more important to be concerned about your spirit than it is about your body. And so, going back to where I was, what happens when I go back and look at the scar? Say that there was no reconciliation between the offense, the person that caused the offense, and me. See, that helps if the person that offends you, that's why the Bible says if someone's offended you, go to him. Because we'll do a little bit of minute surgery. We'll, we'll stitch up the wound and we'll put some a Holy Spirit on it and it'll heal a lot faster when it's closed than when it's open. But say that the person doesn't want to reconcile with you that's offended you. Or maybe it's not just a person. Maybe it's a group of people. And I, I've been pastoring now since 1980, so that's 34 years and in 34 years, a majority of the people that have left have been offended by what you haven't done and what, what you have done. You didn't do anything. And they'll say, well, that's why I'm offended. I didn't come to church for four weeks and no one even called me. Oh, I didn't do what I should have done. So the offense starts that way. Do I feel hurt like I need to go to them and ask for forgiveness? Not necessarily. Did you do what you were supposed to do? And I talked to someone about this the other day. They said, I'm offended. Nobody comes to call me from church. I was gone for a month. I said, well, did you do what your pastor asked you to do if you were going to miss? Did you call your pastor like he asked you to do if you were going to be absent? No. I said, so really, the problem lies with you. Because if you would have let someone know that you were going through a difficult situation, they could have possibly tried to respond in some way. But remember, uh, you're, you're one of many people. And so many are offended, and you don't even know that they're offended. They just disappear. It was something anybody did. Now, it's easy for us to say, suck it up and get over it, right? It's easy to say that. It's harder to do. My answer to people that are suffering with offense is to make sure that they come to the place, not of just people. The church is people, the ecclesia, the called out ones. It's a place where we gather and where God pours out his spirit on our hearts and anoints our minds. The people part is not the part to focus on. Well, people in your church aren't friendly. People in your church, they never said hello to me. The pastor in their church, he never greeted me. Or the pastor wasn't there every Sunday. Or this or that or that. That's not why we come to church. I want to inform you. I come to church to be together with people of like precious faith so I can hear God's anointed word so it can get into my brain and into my heart. 
And there's something about when, when our piano players play and our, our musicians worship that helps me to reach that epiphany of spiritual renewal. But it is, I'm not here for the piano player and I'm not here for the worship singers and I'm not here for the nice pew that I sit in. I am here because my spirit needs to hear the anointed word so it can fend off Satan's attack. It's the foolishness of preaching. That's why the Bible says when you get together, what does it say? Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, like this morning. You came this morning and you got six pages of notes. Be instant in season and out of season. Maybe there's something that I want you to deliver this morning that's different. Be pliable. You need to understand this morning that Satan has an offense for you. And God knows it. He told you it was going to come. Why didn't he protect you from the offense? Because he wants you to be a man or a woman. He wants you to grow up. When you were a baby, mom cuddled you in your arms and she covered you with a blanket and she made sure you ate plenty and you got your rest. But you're no longer coddling in a baby blanket. You've got to get up and you've got to start walking and talking and taking care of yourself on your own. I need to drag my carcass into church so I can eat from the men of heaven. Not look at your pretty face, and I know I'm talking a little boldly this morning. It's not about you. I am on my way to heaven, and I have to do whatever I need to do to get there. I love each one of you. And many times when you come up to me and you talk to me and say something encouraging to me, that is an added benefit, but that's not the reason I'm here. So if no one ever, ever complimented me again, it would not make any difference, even though I like it. I am here because I do not want to fail God. And you need to understand how vehemently enthused God is about his people. You know, you get away with things because God doesn't jump on your back every time you do something wrong. I know if you work for some people that I'm not going to mention, they're quick to jump on your back when you do something wrong. Because they expect professional attitudes and performance in, in retrospect to what they're paying you. If you're getting a professional salary, they expect professional work. Is that wrong? I'm sure they would cut your salary in half if you did a, poor, a lousy job, and they'd love to do it. God has purchased you with a price. I work for him, and just because he allows me to work on my job on my own doesn't mean that he's not watching my performance. And so you think you may be getting away with something, but really you're not. You know, I, I have a very, I'm very blessed in my job. The person that I report to just lets me, as long as I do my job and I get what I need done, they, I'm pretty much autonomous. And the longer I work for her, the more autonomy she gives me. 
Now she just says, you just work out your own schedule. You know what you need to do. Just get her done. Get her done. And the same thing in the kingdom of God. The older you get, the more spiritual maturity that you acquire. You should be able to function without someone constantly telling you what to do. So, I guess I brought this up for nothing today. It'll be good on Wednesday. And you know what? I don't, I've pretty well hammered that, that nail into the wood. And I, I don't think I, I need to hammer it anymore, but I don't know about you, but I see Brother Rick Kiley, my brother, he's in Israel. I know probably since we talked together as brothers, physically and spiritually, and worked together, and Michael too, we see some of those things that you don't see. And I, I know that um, my favorite saying is, there's only one God, and I'm not him. And about 10 years ago, when I realized that I didn't want to be God, and I wanted him to be God, and I wanted him to do the work, and I would just do what was within my capacity to do, that I began to cope with life a lot better. And I think what happens is because people do not mature in the spirit, remember Paul said when you were a child, you walked like a child, but then you became a man and you put away childish things. And then he speaks to the Corinthians. He said, I fed you with milk, and that was fine. I fed you with milk, and that, that babies having milk is a really cool thing to watch them suck that bottle down in no time flat, and you hear them suckling. That's great. But if a 50-year-old man comes in sucking on a baby bottle during church, that's not so cool. Why? You, you think it's cute when a baby does it? You know why? Because he should be grown. He doesn't drink milk anymore. If you're sucking on the bottle and you want the same attention that you got when you first came here, you need to go back and say, maybe I need to grow up. I need to learn to walk. The fences that come only help me grow. And I'll say this in closing. The devil means it for your hurt. But God takes the thing that could hurt you and he makes it for your good. And when it says all things work together for the good of those that love God, what it's really saying is all those offenses that you go through, that's just one aspect of your life for God. All those things work for the good because you become stronger and more adaptable to your problems through each trial. Well, praise God. I can still see my brother sitting here. He says, okay, that's enough. You've hammered. You know you're getting older when people that aren't even here bother you. I, I do make mistakes with my family, and sometimes the thing that bothers my family the most is when I refer to them in any of my sermons. But I say if you're not in church when I'm preaching, it's fair game.
It's kind of funny, after you've been married, Brother Dave, all these years, before your wife can answer what you're doing, because you know what she's going to say, you say it to yourself so you can beat her to it. We went out for last night for a, a sheriff's department uh, Christmas party. And I have one habit. I love food. I do. I was able to get this to button, by the way. That's a miracle in itself. But you know what I love to do after I finished a good meal? And they had prime rib last night and mashed potato. Oh, perfect meal. I like to take my hard roll, put butter on it, and clean her all up. I mean, they can use the plate when I'm done. They don't even need to run it through the dishwasher. So I got in the car, and she started to speak, and I knew exactly, you got to stop sopping up your stuff, your gravy with your roll. You don't do that. And you know what? Um, It bothers her when I do that because I say it before she does because I know her so well. How does this fit in spiritually? You know God so well that when you sin, you know you're sinning. And you can almost in your mind hear what God's saying to you. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Come ye out from amongst them. Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. All those words, all, all those things come to your mind. You know what I'm talking about. You'll think about what you're going to do next and a scripture will come to your mind because you are so familiar with the word of God and God's voice that you can almost answer for God before he even has a chance to speak to you. So am I guilty about the role? Yes, it is. It was a willful sin. And it's one that you're going to have to prove to me in scripture that I can't do. All right, that's enough. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what an awesome day it is. Lord, you put guidelines and restrictions upon us, Lord, not for our hindrances, but for our benefits. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.